Welcome to episode one of the Think Data podcast in partnership with DataWorks. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Karam Tassin, who's the Vice President of Data Science for Preston Ventures, with over 15 years of experience working in advanced analytics. Karam is an active contributor to the data community on LinkedIn and is actually someone I follow myself. He has a wealth of experience in defining group-wide AI strategies and then building teams to deliver that. Great having you on the podcast, Karam. Would you mind giving us all an introduction to you and your background? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Alex. Pleasure. So my career uh, really started off working as an actuary. So early on, I got a heavy dose of math and stats working in the life insurance industry. Uh, I was always interested in technology, you know, having taken some uh, computer science courses throughout school. Um, and so that combination of skills was uh, what really made me very interested in data science in general. And so when I came across it about, you know, 10 years ago, um, you know, that's where the interest really peaked for me. And so fast forward uh, a decade now, um, you know, as you said, I lead a team of data scientists and engineers working in the insure tech and health tech space. Um, and our goal is really to use ML and data science techniques to predict d- disease trajectories um, with the broader goal of extending lifespan for seniors. Fantastic. So obviously, uh... A heavily kind of mission-led business there and i i know you know yourself as a hire up in the market um there's obviously been a whole multitude of big companies letting people go there's obviously been a huge increase in specialist skill sets uh, but how would you kind of sum up the kind of current state of hiring when it comes to kind of advanced analytics specifically yeah, it's an interesting time for our data hiring right now, right? Earlier in the year, you saw jobs getting filled super fast, candidates getting multiple offers. Uh, now there's been a little bit of a shift, right? Companies have gone into hiring freezes. You hear about uh, companies rescinding job offers before the start date, mm. right? So there's definitely been a shift in light of a, an expected potential economic downturn, right? So. Despite that, I feel like employers recognize the importance of using data to get a leg up on the competition. Um, it's been a decade since big data really started going mainstream. And mm. I would venture out to say that over 90% of companies across all industries have recognized the value that a strong data team can add to their organization. Um, and so I think that's driven a real shortage for elite data talent. And employers are looking for that unicorn, right? That blend of data scientists and engineers who have the technical skills, who can explain their work clearly, and then they can fit into their culture. Mm. And so from a candidate's perspective, you know, if you have that trifecta, that top tier of professionals get multiple opportunities, have recruiters in their LinkedIn DMs (laughs) all the time, and they can be picky about who they want to work for. The problem I think though is that elite talent is probably 20, 25% of the market, right? So the majority of the people in the candidate pool have some, uh, have some gaps in their skills, right? Either they have the technical skills but are missing the communication or the communication is there, but when you give them a Python coding assessment, they don't really perform as well, right? Yeah. Or you can have both of those things, but you know, the cultural fit isn't there, right? So there's still a little bit of room for that to kind of mature as a data industry in general, from my perspective. It's a really fair point, and certainly from uh, you know being one of those recruiters that kind of <laughs> pops up into people's LinkedIn messages. I think it's uh, it's certainly a crossway. You know, I think we are in a 
position where the demand is still there and the whole objective obviously of setting up this podcast and some of the missions we kind of look to deliver for our customers is is trying to open up this market and maybe open up the mindset of certain hirers or certain companies that um the the demand is still outweighing that supply um and so so one one of the questions i had to you was kind of there's a lot of candidates people we're speaking to have have followed that classic stem education route um and then have progressed naturally to that point where they are now maybe in machine learning or advanced analytics of of some description but a lot of people are asking us how do we transition into new areas for example you know the data analyst looking to become more technical and become an analytics engineer for example or you know a data analyst looking to try and push more into data science you know true data science what are your kind of top tips to those people trying to make that transition because as you rightly alluded to you've either got the technical skills or the interviewing skills but if you if you've got the aptitude ability and desire to learn um you know what what steps do they need to take to transition into those areas yeah so i've hired you know a lot of data scientists and engineers and the variety of backgrounds it's really interesting right you have people coming in from biology from oil and gas hospitality and you know the background or the industry hasn't actually been a limiting factor right I, I would say, I think if you have the passion, if you have the interest to really pick up the technical skills, that's what sets people apart from kind of really being successful in this field or not. And so kind of the basics is, you know, there's a ton of resources out there online. And part of the challenge is, you know, figuring out what works for you, what's actually good, right? I would say there's probably too many resources out now. Yeah. And so, you know, learn as much as you can, whether it's um, through paid coaches or through paid courses or free resources, right? Both avenues are pretty good. Um, And look for um, transitionary roles, right? People have um, this aspiration that, hey, I'm going to switch all of a sudden to a senior data scientist just because I was that uh, at that level in my old industry. So you really have to think of it in, in steps, right? What are the stepping stones in order to help you get there? Um, and maybe there's a role within your industry that's doing a little bit of BI, a little bit of data analyst work that is a good transitionary role before you can actually jump into building heavy-duty machine learning models, for example. I think that's a very fair point. I think you know we speak to a number of people who their aspirations are one thing, but their kind of expectations from a comp and from a, a, a from a next position is another. And it's about that having that flexibility and also that kind of short term, maybe step back from a comp standpoint, but hopefully will, you know, project you into that position you really want for long term. And I think, I guess it all boils down to a recent studies, you know, 18 months for the average kind of tenure of a data scientist um in organizations so i suppose the we wouldn't necessarily have this issue um or maybe opportunity to be a recruiter in this market if it wasn't for people moving from company to company so the question to you is kind of how how do companies or what steps should they be taking to retain and kind of create that committed workforce because we're obviously in a fully remote market bar a handful of organizations and so obviously building that culture remotely is obviously particularly challenging. So what, what steps can these companies take or specifically 
those kind of data leaders? What can they what can they do and what steps should they enforce and take to create that workforce? Yeah, retention is a huge issue in data yeah. science, right? And like you said, it's driven by good talent getting scooped up by the market. And, you know, when you take a look at hiring itself, right, it takes about, in my experience, three months to find the right fitting candidate mm. and other three months for them to really start adding value to your existing business projects. And so, you know, you do everything right. You can still get some people that just don't end up, like, like I said, fitting your culture, right? So if you have good people, it's absolutely critical to make sure they're operating as efficiently as possible and you have to try to retain them for as long as possible. And so when it comes down to increasing loyalty and uh, production comes down to aligning incentives, right? Um, and so data scientists and engineers, you know, they like working on challenging projects, right? And so if you're a manager, make sure you're assigning projects that force your team to grow. Mm -hmm. Right. Data professionals, I would say, are um, the, the most inherently curious individuals that I've seen. Right. And they love to solve hard problems. Mm. So you want to give them that sense of achievement that they've made something innovative. They've added tons of value to the business. And then once they've added value, you need to reward them. Right. And we can be real. Right. Compensation is a big factor for a lot of people. Absolutely. And if your pay range in the lower end of that market, it's going to be very difficult for you to retain your employees. So what I like to say is, you know, if you deliver a lot of value, the reward that you get needs to be proportional to the value that you deliver, right? And this makes the alignment of incentives very low. And last point that, you know, that comes to mind when it comes to retention, right? You have your comp and you have your projects, but at the end of it, right? You got to make sure that your employees data or not, right? You got to make sure that they're heard and seen, right? So you got to ask yourself, you know, how valuable does each team member actually feel? Are their ideas considered? Uh, do they get to present their own solutions? Do they get FaceTime with the C-suite? You know, how receptive is the business to their ideas and actually implementing them and not brushing them off for a future date, right? So all these things kind of contribute to a good and positive data culture. And that's what I think data scientists and data hires in general are looking for. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You obviously allude to the fact that, that kind of FaceTime with the C-suite or actually, you know, clear ownership and actually deploying, you know, models into live production, actually seeing the the fruits of their kind of labor, I guess, in the larger organizations then, you know, the FANGs who, you know, it's been well publicized, uh, none more so than so recently with Twitter, you know, in terms of, you know, people being let go who are, or will be notoriously on a much higher compensation. Probably going back to the first question we asked about the kind of state of the analytics market, where do you see those kind of comp levels going? Because obviously we've had many conversations with leaders in this space who just can't compete on a compensation level and they try and offer the opportunity, the tech stack, the, uh, the problems to solve, um, and they're trying to attract and they are attracting good people. But when people are coming the other way, so obviously from those large compensations with, sorry, huge equity packages, they're coming from the, the big players, you know, where do you think compensations are going to go? Because they can't continue to rise, can they? Yeah, I think um, for the elite talent, right, who are really creme de la creme, right, I think you will continue to see comp kind of creep up. Mm. Um, I think for everybody else who's kind of that second tier, if you will, 
uh, I think there will be kind of a stabilization. Um, and what I've seen companies do is, you know, you, you they'll pay you very competitively uh, on a base uh, salary basis, right? And then everything else, I think, will be on a value add basis, right? So whether that's bonuses or um, RSUs and things like that, right? And I think that's generally fair, right? Even if you think of, um, you know, senior executive level compensation, right? The base isn't necessarily what a lot of people are working for, right? It's mm -hmm. that uh, bonus. And, you know, if you deliver good work, then you will be fairly compensated. And I think that's a, that's a good, good way for the industry to go, because if you can deliver good value, you deserve to get paid and, you know, it should be based off of merit meritocracy yeah that's completely fair and obviously you've obviously been on the journey to leadership yourself where you've kind of started off uh, and obviously worked as in modeling and, and gonna uh, follow that classic route really to kind of uh, current role as obviously a vp for those new leaders in data science who are, who are coming in and as you alluded to earlier taking that step up and maybe the opportunities presented itself to become that manager and that kind of team lead you know going back to your point about how competitive it is what tips can you offer those new leaders coming in to kind of stand the best chance of securing the talent because it is so competitive and as you said mid to kind of elite talent you know they're being approached day in day out so for those new leaders and maybe from your own experiences you know what tips can you offer them to put them in the best possible position i guess to hire yeah so one of the advantages that i think a large organization has that others may not is that you have brand recognition, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll naturally attract a lot of uh, good talent your way. And if you aren't fortunate enough to work in that uh, large organization, then your ability to achieve success relies very heavily on your ability to secure great talent, right? And so for new managers, that's a bit of a shift, right? Because all of a sudden you're going from solving data challenges to solving people challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And so knowing where to source talent becomes super important. So you can't always post a job and hope everyone just kind of flocks to you, right? Establishing those relationships with the right recruiters for me has been very beneficial. Um, they, if you have the right group of recruiters or one recruiter who kind of understands your technical requirements, they're able to find you the candidates that you're looking for. And beyond that, I think you just have to be active in the community if you want talent to come to you and not the other way around, right? So um, there's, you know, multiple ways of doing that, right? Content creation, whether it's on LinkedIn, Twitter, Kaggle, right? You, you just have to find the community that you connect with the most. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to be online, right? There's uh, after COVID, right? Meetups and conferences are a good way to meet like-minded people. Mm. Um, just knowing what's happening in the market, you know, sometimes you can be a little bit opportunistic as well, right? If you get some really talented people who are going through some layoffs in their company, that's a good way to find good people as well. And once they're in your pipeline, I think you have to make it easy for top talent to just get through the hiring process, right? So making job descriptions really easy and clear. Um, don't make them fill out a job application if you already have their resume or some of the basic stuff that all candidates kind of complain about. Um, and so the point of all this is, you know, at the end of the day, you want candidates to have a good hiring experience with your company to increase that retention as well. It's an interesting point, isn't it? About that kind of the funnel, sort of the pipeline at the top, 
and you know who end up securing that kind of candidate journey um is so important to the sometimes it's a decisive factor between you know going with you versus another organization from your experience then you know is there such thing as a process that's too quick you know because obviously you've got those kind of more desperate hiring managers they've been left in the lurch by an immediate vacancy and someone pops into the funnel who is you know the kind of the perfect match is there such thing as kind of a two a process that's too quick or in, and in your in your experience you know how long should a process be from that kind of you know engagement level i'm talking kind of first interview through to that kind of offer scenario what do you see is kind of the average yeah i think um you got to make sure that you have done your due diligence mm. right you wouldn't buy a house without walking through Hopefully not. A lot of people are for investment purposes these days, but generally speaking, right, you want to make sure that you've checked out the walls, you've done your inspection, right? So similarly, when you're making a, uh, a data hire, right, and a lot of the times these data hires kind of drive innovation for your company, you want to make sure that you check the things that are going to set them up for success, right? So those are, um, you know, your technical skills, their willingness, their culture, as I mentioned already. Um, and so that can be in the form of a couple of technical screens, right? So some conversations with your senior data scientists or technical architects. Um, generally, you know, I would recommend kind of some sort of uh, case study that goes along with that. So you can actually see in person, you know, what sort of, uh, how they present their solutions and things like that. But I feel like a lot of time is wasted on stuff that just doesn't need to be. So for example, scheduling, right? There's a lot of back and forth. Like if you just set up a Calendly link that everybody can have access to schedule the next one as soon as the first one is finished, right? That's really speeds up the process. Yeah. Um, again, the smaller the company, I think the quicker that you can move. So, you know, we've gone from, um, you know, having a pretty long hiring process to really streamlining. And, you know, if we like it to candidate, we can go from technical screen to, you know, being in front of the partners in about a week or 10 days. That's interesting, isn't it? And sometimes you learn through losing, I guess. Obviously, certainly a candidate drops out of that funnel because of a delay internally or, you know, an unnecessary steps. And interesting. And interesting about the openness about the Calendly. I think some organization we, we work with are, you know, do have that kind of openness and a self kind of scheduling system through their ATS. And it does typically put them in a better position. Um, and, you know, obviously there's there is still great opportunities for people who are are actively looking but equally there's so much opportunity sometimes it's hard for them to decide what vacancies to apply to so so in your experience you know maybe as a job seeker but also people who are meeting you for the first couple of times what 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 are the most important factors job seekers should consider when moving roles because as you, you mentioned earlier you know comp is obviously an important factor of that but beyond that, what are the other factors you think they should consider? Yeah. I think the number one question you have to answer for yourself as a candidate is, am I excited about the problem that I'm going to solve, right? And so data science is difficult, right? It takes a lot of iteration, hours of research. You got to test different hypotheses. Stuff may work, stuff may not work. And at the end of it, even if it works, you got to convince people who aren't necessarily technical to buy into that solution, right? And so... 
if you're not interested in that particular domain or the work is not something that you're excited about for whatever reason, you know, you, I just don't believe you're going to last long in that, in that organization. Right. And so if you have that, the next thing I would say is look for, are you being set up for success? Right. And you can assess that quickly by uh, understanding the overall maturity of the data organization. Right. So how long has a company had a data team? You know, are they just doing reporting and process automation or have they actually been able to put some models into production? Um, who does the data team report up to, right? Do they have support from an executive sponsor or is it just, you know, we're data driven on paper, but in reality, you know, a lot of the processes are fairly manual. Mm. And so all these things kind of point you to, you know, are your ideas and work product, are they actually going to be received well or not, right? And then the last thing I would say that's that I would recommend people look for is understanding the culture of the company. And this one's a little bit of a tough one because initially there's a little bit of a song and dance during the interview process, <laughs> right? Where both sides are kind of trying to impress each other, but it's really important for both sides to be open and honest about the true expectations of the role, right? So what are the hours like? What type of things are valued by your direct manager and what's frowned upon? Um, how long does it get, get to take to get different requests approved? Uh, is the team comfortable working remotely or, you know, is there some sort of expectation to be in person and all these things kind of make up the day-to-day -day routine for the candidate. And if you aren't really aligned on those, then it just becomes a drag to kind of go into work, right? And you don't want that. Exactly. And even with the companies who are incentivizing with the kind of higher comps and, you know, the, the long-term equity plans, um, it's amazing how many people are now looking beyond that. And even with the kind of cost of living increasing and people being more open to opportunities for that higher comp, the, the question still lies, doesn't it? It's uh, what is the role? What is the, what problem am I trying to solve, you know, solve? And what is the, what is the kind of stakeholder buy-in at the top here? And from your experience and obviously reporting into that C-suite, how important is, that kind of buy-in from C-suite right down to those kind of data scientists in terms of getting that face time with them, or at least trying to understand their vision. How important do you think that is for people considering whether that company's right for them or not? Yeah, it's absolutely crucial, right? So if you don't have an executive sponsor at the C-suite level, it becomes really hard to um, convince the entire organization to work in a different way. Right. And this is generally true for companies who are not digitally native, right. And who are going through that digital transformation. Um, and you know, what you're trying to do is everyone's going full speed, you know, driving car really fast. And you're trying to kind of change a tire as you're going through a race. Right. And that's just not possible if everybody is not on the same page. And so, you know, ideally if your data team kind of reports up to the CEO, I think that's the best way to kind of have that buy-in. Um, other departments, it's also possible, but it becomes a little bit difficult. Um, and so there's a lot of alignment that needs to happen, you know, every week, every two weeks, right? So having somebody who has that ear of the CEO, I think is really important mm. um, because, you know, sometimes things are going to work. It's R&D, right? And sometimes things are, are not going to work, right? And so... Um, everyone needs to be on the same page of what research and development in the data science field needs to look like 
and be okay with failure, right? Failure is actually good. So you can learn from your mistakes and figure out what doesn't work. So you, by the time you get to your solution, you're, you're doing it in an efficient way. It's really interesting. I think you, you raise a good point about how, how long-term is their investment into this, you know, trying to deliver an ROI immediately with one, as you said, one excellent hire is, uh, is short-sighted. And I think, you know, unfortunately there are those candidates out there that have the skills or they, they, they've been educated very well, but they, they are, they're trying to break in or progress their career in data, but they are hitting those roadblocks. And, you know, that may down be down to what you've mentioned earlier about, they might be fantastically kind of charismatic interviewer, but technically they're, they're falling short. It could be the other way around. So what, what advice would you offer them, you know, to give them the best possible chance of securing their dream role? Yeah, so earlier this year, we actually ended up hiring uh, four data scientists and engineers, uh, which doubled our, our team uh, for a small company that, that was a big investment. And some of the stats coming out of that hiring funnel were that we received about 200 resumes for wow. all four roles. And the success rate was about 1.9%, right? So four out of about 200, a little bit over 200. Wow. And so... That part wasn't really surprising to me that much. Like I expected that, but about 20% of the people didn't pass the initial resume screen and 60% failed the technical screen. Okay. And so what that tells me is that there's a branding problem and then there's a skills gap problem, mm. right? And so the first thing that I would do if I'm a candidate is, you know, really get the basics down, right? So. If you're just getting started, enroll in a bootcamp, take some online courses. Don't try to learn every single coding language out there. Just focus on Python and SQL and, you know, learn other technologies as you, as you get there. Um, and once you've got those core principles down, really make an effort to stand up, right? And so most candidates write a resume and then blindly start applying to 10, 20 jobs until something sticks, yeah. right? And this may have worked five, six years ago, but now you, you have a lot more competition for data roles. So you need to do something different, right? And that's why I think branding becomes super important. So understanding what is your unique value proposition and highlighting, highlighting that, you know, very clearly on your resume. Um, and to do that, you know, one great way is again, to be very active online and create some content, right? And this sounds scary to a lot of people, <laughs> but it's a great way to set yourself apart, right? And most managers now, you know, they will search you up on LinkedIn before an interview. And, and I know I do this, right? In, in fact, if you put a LinkedIn profile link on your resume, I'll probably go there first before I read through your resume. Interesting. Right? So that's a good way to kind of break the ice and help the employer learn more about you and what type of projects you're working on. Um, whether you came across an interesting paper or, you know, Python package or whatever. And it does a lot of the selling for you. And I found some great candidates that way. It is interesting, you know, as you say, it can be quite nerve wracking for people, but you're completely right. And as a recruiter, you know, I've been doing this for about 20 years and, you know, 10 years in analytics. It's amazing how much, you know, the focus is on your social profile. Um, I posted something the other day about, you know, is the resume dead, you know, and actually you're completely right. Are people able to promote themselves in a professional manner? Um, and I've noticed a lot of hirers actually being far more active on LinkedIn, um, raising their own personal brands. And I think that, you know, if the two marry up, then obviously you are, 
you know, A, you're going to cut out the need for a recruiter and equally raise your own kind of personal brand. So it's interesting. And uh, I suppose on that, from a technical standpoint, because as you rightly said, focus on the core, Python, the SQL, any additional programming languages, they're nice to have, but for the data scientists, that that's the core. You know, do you know, you know, in terms of training platforms, online guides, support platforms, because as you, I think right at the beginning, you mentioned, there's almost so much out there uh, and so many people peddling, um, you know, similar uh, platforms, similar programs, but what, what, in the market you know of in terms of training platforms, online guides that can support those currently transitioning through in data? Yeah, I think when there's so much out there, you really need some sort of mentorship, right? Mm. I think you need somebody who's been there, done that to kind of sift through everything and tell you just do this and then figure out the next step, right? So I think candidates need to seek out mentors, right? Uh, others who've taken the path that they want to go down. Um, and most people are willing to share their insights and help others along, right? So uh, that's very encouraging to see in the market. And, you know, a lot of people kind of struggle with, well, where do I find mentors, right? And if you aren't able to find that, then there are paid coaching options now, right? And so one of them that I've come across that's been, you know, really great at walking you through the hiring process of branding, content creation, and interview is a coaching service called dataunicorn.tech. Interesting. You know, don't be afraid to kind of pay for something that's going to add value, right? And when the competition is tough and you really want to get that dream role, right, you're looking for any edge that you can to kind of walk down the path and put yourself in the best position to land the job that you need. Interesting. Yeah, and I think it's, um, you know, for, for companies internally as well, um, they typically will approach that kind of technical skills followed by interview. How, how well do they interview? But from uh, the mentoring things, an interesting and sounds like kind of a novel concept, but it makes so much sense. So, would that mentoring kind of solution be from a, you know, helping them guide them through their career or helping them guide, you know, technically or kind of trying to bring it all together and give them the confidence to perform in interviews or apply for those vacancies? Yeah, I think the initial challenge is, you know, which path do I actually want to take? Do I want to be a data engineer? Do I want to be a data scientist? Do I want to specialize into NLP? Do I want to go into ML ops, right? And so for someone who's brand new, that's a little daunting, right? Mm. Because a lot of these terms are synonymous. Um, there's a lot of overlap and there's no clear distinction on where's the line between a data engineer and a data scientist or, you know, um, specializing or not specializing, right? So um, having somebody who kind of understands what you need to focus on when it becomes really important. Um, and then once you have that nailed down, then you start talking about, you know, what are the technical needs for that specific role? And what do hiring managers look for in that specific role? Whether that's, um, you know, technical tests that you need to pass or specific case studies that you need to go through, or in general, right? What are some behavioral aspects of that role that the C-suite and executives are looking for that you need to be able to answer very quickly so that you know, you're not struggling and, and others are really on top of their feet, right? So it's kind of that entire package of how do you present yourself with the best possible um, you know, brand of data skills that really is going to set you apart. Yeah, interesting. It's uh, 
it makes sense kind of when you talk through it like that but it's for a lot of organizations and going back to your previous point about kind of retention and you know it's almost the onus if you're currently employed as a data scientist the the onus should be on your employer you know to provide that kind of mentoring you know development you know the buddy system you know helping you feel that there is development internally as opposed to feeling you know you're working remotely and you know what is my next step so yeah it's that mentoring thing can be used both for the job seeker but equally companies i don't know many companies who properly invest in that mentoring kind of structure and i think that might improve and kind of uh, help help with retention i think ultimately yeah i think most people right especially smart talented data hires right they're they're looking for growth mm. right they're looking for what is my next step um and you need to be able to provide that as an employer right you need to be able to have those conversations and say hey uh, you know i think you're great at in these areas but i need you to be better in these areas and people appreciate that right people appreciate honest feedback and you know how they can improve and you know a lot of people who have that growth mindset kind of value that that feedback on a on a regular basis and so if you're able to provide that that kind of really increases your ability to retain people for the long term yeah fascinating i think so and i suppose that a lot of people listening to this um will be at that kind of entry level or you know you know post grad looking to break in and there is obviously a lot of market conditions that you know we can't control but you know, what confidence should they take that, you know, you as a hire and not you specifically, but would still look at kind of post-grad, you know, experience? Because at the moment, a lot of people, we get a lot of applications for people that just don't have the commercial experience. So typically companies won't engage our services and pay a fee for a, for a graduate. But what confidence should they take from, you know, just sticking with it, following the steps that you've mentioned about the personal branding, you know, the mentorship, you know, what, what confidence should they take now, even when you look in the news and think it's all kind of doom and gloom? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just like anything else, right, the the hiring for, for in any industry kind of has its ups and downs, mm. right? And so um, I think you, you have to kind of take a step back and think about, you know, are companies valuing data a lot more compared to before or not, right? And I think it's a resounding yes that every single company is now branding themselves as, as a data company, right? And so the general trend is that, yes, the skills of a data scientist or data engineer are extremely valuable. Um, and you know, whether that's at the senior level or at the junior level, right? I think it's just a matter of kind of figuring out how you transition into that specific role, right? And so, you know, if you don't have a specific experience, again, you can look for a lot of roles that are looking for some leadership uh, in just automating processes, right? Or developing a dashboard or um, taking business requirements and turning them into a streamlined process that allows people to take some action based off of a lot of disparate data sources, right? And so it may not have the title that you're looking for, but a lot of the skills that you're going to develop in those type of roles are going to be extremely valuable and transferable. Uh, and once you have that, you know, a couple of years under your belt after you've graduated, I think it's going to, uh, you know, easily help you land the, the title and the, and the role that you're looking for. 
fantastic advice and yeah i think the the point about job titles is uh we could spend another hour just talking about i suppose the uh, kind of the nuances with you know certain titles don't necessarily dictate your duties but you're right so i suppose that message is really about throwing yourself into something which you yes it's relevant that the, the the challenge is there you know the tech exposure is there but it might not necessarily be the title or the the dream role but actually the steps you're going to take the experience you're going to amass is ultimately going to lead you to where you want to get to i guess yeah i think that's right fantastic Karam, it's been my absolute pleasure to uh, kind of meet with you and uh, i'm sure everyone listening will uh, take a huge amount out of that and thanks so, so much for uh, for taking time this morning to speak it's been been my pleasure I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Take care. All the best.